Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Furniture for Wahoo's 24-7. And before we get started, a change of plans for how we're going to lay out the podcast episodes this week. On Monday, I had teased that we would have the takeaways from Tony LA press conference on Wednesday and then a game preview on Thursday. I think moving forward, we're just going to have those two kind of together, and I'll put those out on Wednesday evenings so you can have it further available either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. It's just about with the schedule, how it's been going, and with basketball season starting up in just a few weeks. I want to save another day for basketball episode podcast or more recruiting episode podcast because now Virginia will be hosting a lot of home games and my schedule is going to be a little crazier. So I don't know if I can devote three episodes for just one football game as in game recap, takeaway, and um, also a game preview where I have a guest, which we will. We'll have um, our Inside the U reporter Christopher Stock on the show today to break down the Hurricanes. So I think I'm just going to mesh it all together so that y'all don't have um, basically half of me. At some point, I'm going to get burnt out. So this way, y'all have more content for me, and I also will be able to produce content on Wahoo's 24-7 since recruiting is certainly picking up. We've already confirmed more visitors today, a couple of good high in demand in-state playmakers in the 2024 class is scheduled to be on grounds for that Miami game. And also we've already started confirming visitors for the North Carolina game. So a lot is going on. So I want to make sure I have enough time to not only produce these podcasts here, but also um, still produce content on the Wahoo's 24 seven site. I'm also working on several features that will be on the site next week including um, talking to Isaac Trout, the freshman basketball player, because he and a Virginia wrestler have both signed an NIL deal with Dexcom, which is a type 1 diabetic or type 2 diabetic as well, constant glucose monitor. So that's why you can monitor your blood sugars. And if you follow the podcast or follow me on Twitter, 
you know that my son is type one diabetic. So this is a little bit close to home for me, but it's a, a great NAL deal that those two have um, joined the program so that they can raise awareness and support other athletes. So I'll have a feature with that next week on Wildest 24-7. And I also will have a feature on Chase Chalmers. He is one of the Virginia players that is really prioritizing community service. So I decided I want to highlight him in a feature as well. So that's also coming on Wahoo's 24-7 next week. So in order for me to have time to do those, I'm going to have to cut back on one of these podcast episodes. So with that, let's get right to the main talking point, because in a few days time, Virginia will host the Miami Hurricanes and the Hurricanes do not. And I mean, do not have a good record in Charlottesville. All right. So let's kind of dig into the depth chart. Um, there's no, it's honestly, there's not a lot of changes on the depth chart and quite frankly, not anything notable. The only thing um, really noteworthy um, is not even on the depth chart is what Tony Elliott said. If you notice, Mike Collins and Jay Wolfick are both on the depth chart. Honestly, they both were on the depth chart last week, but they both weren't available to play against Georgia Tech. My, my Collins was during, uh, was under a concussion protocol while um, Jay Wolfick had a, like a little knee injury. It was during a non-contact practice. Um, it was something to do with um, an injury back in high school. He's doing better now, and both of them are actually going to be available with Georgia Tech. And actually, it was the Jay Wolfick one that kind of stood out to me because apparently they had some plans for Jay during the game against Georgia Tech that they had to scrap because he wasn't available. And Elliot revealed that they're even considering moving Wolfick to punt return. Basically, it's that old saying is if you have a, one of the best athletes on your bench, you know, how can you get them on the field as quickly as possible? Because you want to put some of your best athletes on the field. And Jay Wolfick has been described as electric. So apparently Virginia is looking to put him on the field in any way possible so that they can get more points on the board. That's something that Coach Kitchings touched upon during his time with the media on Wednesday. I mean, we had a plan for him against Tech. And unfortunately, he uh, wasn't able to play. So that plan was obviously erased out of the mix. And, and Jay's going to be the quarterback in the future. There's no question about that. But he's very dynamic with the, foot, with the football in his hands. And actually, uh, we were getting ready to let him be our punt returner. Because if you watch him go track the ball, he's so natural tracking the ball because he's a baseball player. And then you're, you're looking at Billy. Billy's out there playing at 75%, giving us everything that he has. Really proud of him. I mean, he's, he's gutting it out. Uh, but Jay was going to be a guy we were going to give him an opportunity because we've been practicing him as a as a returner. And so, no, his stuff was more uh, just getting involved uh, on the perimeter, doing some of those things uh, with with his package. It wasn't necessarily a wildcat type of deal where we were going to try and run him. I mean, here we are. We're sitting with five games left. We got four of them, all five in state, right? Four of them at home, right? And our goal is still to get to a bowl game. So, however we can manipulate and score points. Right? If that means Jay Wolf was have to come out there and play another position, he's going to play another position. He's got to go return punts. We're trying to exhaust every opportunity to go win these games to get us bowl as well. So like I said, there's no changes on this offensive depth chart. And on the defensive side, honestly, it's such minute changes. Um, the or in defensive tackle has been moved. It was Ben Smiley, then Aaron Famui, or Michael Diata. Right now is Ben Smiley, or and Famui. And this is a change that we expected Aaron Famui against Louisville, had to sit out the first half because of his penalties. So then in the game against Georgia Tech, that was still kind of the same. But now when you look at it, um, it looks like Aaron Famui is back in good graces. He accepted his penalties or his penalties 
and um, is now moved up the depth chart. Michael Diata is on the depth chart. He's honestly been impressive um, in the slight flashes that we saw. So, and then the only other change was that there's an or between Josh Ahern and James Jackson and Cohen King is number one of Lex Long behind him. And Cohen King is back from an injury and did well enough against Georgia Tech to cement his role in that first spot. No changes on special teams. Still, everything is the same as the week before. And as I said, they're trying to see if they'll use Joe Wolfuck on pun return, but his name is not on the depth chart. So when you look at the depth chart, you always have to take this and a grain of salt because things during game day may, may not be quite the same. And also, if you are a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, you notice that the snap count might not actually match the depth chart. Because if you look at Pro Football Focus and our snap count, Noah Josie had more snaps than John Paul Flores, but Noah Josie is number two and John Paul Flores is number one on this depth chart. So again, just take this with a grain of salt. So that's the depth chart for Virginia ahead of the Miami Hurricanes matchup. We're going to take a quick break here. But then when we come back, I'll have an interview with InsideTheU.com's Christopher Stock. We recorded this interview on Monday, so there wasn't too much information on Tyler Van Dyke in this interview. But we do have a lot of information about the Hurricanes, what the offense would look like without Tyler Van Dyke, what has been the issues for that Miami defense that has given up some big plays, and what's been the vibe around a program that has struggled amid some high expectations. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Jack Franchilli for Wahoo's 24-7. And joining me is Christopher Stock from Inside the U. Christopher, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Certainly Miami is in a very interesting situation going into this game. Seems like both of these teams are not having... Uh, what season they both expected, both first-time uh, first time head coach in the ACC. So let's get started with what, you know, what is the sentiment around campus in Coral Gables right now? Because obviously there was high expectations with Mario Cristobal coming home and saying the U is back. So how, how is the emotions around there? It's certainly, I'd say disappointing, but I think it's worse than that. People are very frustrated. They were expecting a good season. You know, this team was 16th in the AP poll going into it, picked to win the Coastal. They've looked nothing like that team. You know, they're three and four going into it. The 45-21 loss to Duke at home when you hold a second half lead and have eight turnovers. 
it's really difficult for people to handle. Uh, Duke certainly is in a transition year as well, a first-year head coach. And regardless of how things have gone for Miami and making this transition, it's tough seeing a loss like that. It's tough seeing them lose to Middle Tennessee. So if Miami was 5-2 and two with just losses to A&M in North Carolina, it would feel a lot different than the way it does now. Three and four, there's a lot of negativity surrounding this program right now because of the losses. There's doubts um, about how things are going to go. And it's, I think Cristobal has turned um, – it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to turn this thing around be, because he's dug himself such a hole right now. And this was not the season they expected. And now they might have to do this moving forward with their backup quarterback. I was going to say – what has been the biggest issue for crystal ball in this season? Cause there was hype around the program. They picked up some pretty good assistance for their coordinator as well. So there was a lot of buzz around this program. What has been the biggest issue? It's really hard to, to pinpoint because it's really been everything. Uh, and, it, and it's stuff that we didn't expect, you know, it wasn't something that we saw a lot in fall camp where, Oh, this is going to be an issue, you know, in terms of, Let's talk about some player personnel stuff. Let's just talk about the how things have changed with the scheme. So offensively, they want to run the ball. You know, that's a big point. You know, they bring back a quarterback that threw the ball well last year and Tyler Van Dyke, six straight games to end the year with at least 300 yards and three touchdowns in each game. Certainly you're expecting him to kind of take that and run with it, but they wanted to really run the ball and it's not happened. You know, they were 12th in the ACC last year in rushing. Right now they're 12th again. Miami's not had a top five ACC rushing team in the ACC since 2010. So running the ball has certainly been a priority for Mario Cristobal and new coordinator Josh Gaddis, and it just hasn't worked out. Offensive line hasn't been healthy. Running backs haven't, you know, produced at the, the level that they need to in and out with injuries as well. But that that's kind of where it starts in terms of why it hasn't worked, because offensively they've just not adapted just an example offensively is they start getting the passing game going. They're two leading receivers right now. Frank Ladson and Colby Young has really come on lately the last three games. Colby didn't have a catch in the first four games. Frank Ladson was essentially the number four or five guy going into the season for the first few games. So they, they've really struggled with their identity in terms of what players they want to go with offensively, like I said, with running the ball passing and figuring that out. And, and you know, defensively, it's been steady. They, they've given up a lot of big plays. That's what happened against Middle Tennessee. Four plays over 60 yards. So certainly disappointing in that front. And uh, it, it's just been a struggle all the way around, and they just can't dig themselves out of a hole quick enough. Feels like you could have written that about Virginia football and their offense, about wanting to run the ball and not being successful consistently on there and also adapting to a new scheme. It's like both of these teams are having the same issues. And actually one of the big points is those turnovers. So Duke scored 31 points off of the eight turnovers that Miami had. Was it, well, was the Blue Devils doing something in particular that was focusing on the turnovers or it was just mental lapses? Or was there something that Cristobal kind of pointed out for those? You know, what's interesting, usually when you have a lot of turnovers, it's a lot of interceptions and, you know, the quarterback really gets loose there, but they had five fumbles, you know, and it was different guys, you know, quarter, you know, Van Dyke got hit on, on a sack. He lost a fumble. Jay Garcia comes in. He lost two fumbles on getting hit. Uh, so that was something, you know, running back Jalen Knighton had a fumble and he's been fumbling lately. And also they had one on kick return. So the five fumbles that that certainly added to it. Duke was certainly there. Uh, but anytime you you fumble the ball, in particular, with, I think the court, uh, yes, Duke was doing stuff on their blitzes. They were coming hard on the pressure. And, and also Miami struggled offensive uh, offensive line 
struggling to pick up some of those rushes and their quarterbacks were getting hit. So it, it was really everything. When you have eight, there's a lot to go around in terms of what was going on. Jake Garcia had four in the fourth quarter and I, you know, and, and one was a pick six throw, you know, and it looked terrible, you know, so it, it just is, it, it's been frustrating watching it. And again, at home against a team like Duke, you know, you're, you're not, ex- when you hold the lead, you're, you're not expecting to essentially implode. And that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't a one game sample size in a sense, because they've lost a number of games. They've lost four out of five now. And they're traveling to Charlotte this week, so they're on the road to an to a place where they haven't had much success. Miami, across different coaches, have has not had successful time in Charlottesville, and they might have to do that without Tyler Van Dyke under center. Has there been any update on his injury, and how does the offense change with him under center and with Jake Carsey under center? Yeah, Miami three and five at, at, in Charlottesville since joining the ACC. So, and they have not won there since 2016. You know, scheduling things. But it's to your point. So, yeah, do, do things change? So, in terms of an update, Mario Cristobal did not want to provide an update on on Tyler Van Dyke's status at the on the Monday press conference leading into the game. They will practice, and we will see and find out more about that. You know, he definitely. One thing I can say about when Tyler went down with the shoulder injury you know, watching him. And I know they cut to the TV timeout during that time, but he didn't walk straight to the sideline. It was, he went right to the locker room and holding it very gingerly. And so he was out of the game. There wasn't any chance of him coming back in. So that happened. And does the offense change? Not really. You know, Jay Garcia is still a similar quarterback, doesn't have the physical tools in terms of his arm strength or experience. You know, Tyler had been started the last couple of years. This would be Jake Garcia's first start. Personally, I was high on him. Coming out of high school, I think a lot of people are intrigued by him. I think there's some potential there. But again, coming off a game where he had five turnovers, there were a couple positive moments throwing the ball downfield. I think maybe if you're you're looking for a little bit of what's the difference between him and Van Dyke is that he will throw the ball a little bit more risky, a little bit he'll throw a ball downfield a little bit more. So I, I'd say look for that. But again, on the road in Miami has lost their last three home games. So maybe going back on the road where they won at Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago, maybe that'll be good for them just to get away because it's not not gone well at Hard Rock Stadium lately. And I know we spoke a lot about the offense here, but defensively against Duke, it seemed like, because the, the defense has been kind of a bright spot here and there for the Canes at some points, except for those big plays that you alluded to. But at the same time, it felt like they lost a little bit of fight and when they watch against the Blue Devils towards the end of the game, what have you kind of seen from this group? Yeah, that game was tough in terms of a defense having short fields. Um, a lot of the turnovers came on, on that half. Again, when you have eight, they're, they're all over the place. But I, I think one thing that the defense struggled to do was hold them to field goals. And, and certainly, you know, you don't get to choose where you, where you set up with your defense on the line of scrimmage there on the change of possession. So, it is what it is, and and they just didn't do a good enough job on holding them to field goals instead of touchdowns. Riley Leonard, and this will be something it sounds like to watch for, watch for in this game. Brendan Armstrong has the capability of running the ball. Riley Leonard had three touchdowns uh, running, and it was all in the, in the red zone. So Miami's got to be better at that, and they, they allowed some rushing yards to other quarterbacks too. So I, I think the defense has been okay again at times, but you know I touched on the Middle Tennessee. They put up a ton of points there on, on some big plays, and – 
it was kind of, you know, they, they did different things wrong in that one, giving up big plays, man-to-man coverage there. So, you know, I, I, for Miami's strength, they're good. They have a good defensive line in terms of their rotation. Akeem Mesador is a really good player. I think as soon as you get past that first line, that's where it gets interesting and, and, and more difficult for Miami because their linebackers are still struggling. And I, I think that'll be the thing to watch for if, if Virginia can get past that, that, that line of scrimmage and then kind of put pressure on not just the linebackers, but the secondary to force them into some tackles. They've struggled there at times. So, you know, the defense is good at times, kind of solid, but, you know, overall they, they've they not uh, had the, these great, you know, great performances. And certainly they're, they're, they are vulnerable and we, we will see how they respond to this. And I think the offense, and if the offense can get going, Miami is a team that struggled in the first quarter, getting off to good starts. You know, I touched on that, you know, they've lost uh, – four out of five and during that three game losing streak they just didn't lead in any of those three games so getting out to a good start for Miami's big especially on the road I think the defense can kind of feed off more success from the offense I think that's typical for a football team and Miami's no different in that sense when you look back at some of those big plays that you've seen that defense give up throughout the season has it been more coverage breakdowns have it been the tackling issues what's been kind of the trend there yeah, it's been essentially man to man. A lot of it, you know, sometimes maybe a few on the missed tackles, but really just there was a 98 yard touchdown uh, throw that that Middle Tennessee had, and that was one on one on the outside. You know, uh, there was one play, 39 yard play, a touchdown they gave up there. Again, one on one out of the slot, uh, freshman goes in and for a first play and only play that game uh, gives up a score. So stuff like that. I think it's a lot of the one on one stuff, and I think you know Miami. I remember asking the defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, if they, or I was asking, I asked Mario Cristobal actually about it, was just, do you still feel confident and be able to play as much man as they'd like, or do you got to scale it back and, and sit back and zone more? And, you know, he, he really just said that they, they, you got to play some man, you know. So I have seen a little bit more zone. I'm not sure what the numbers break down, but that that's something just to, that they're going to try to protect their guys a little bit more. But uh, I, there's no doubt, and, and it's not just one guy, multiple guys giving up big plays. So it's it's been a lot of uh, there have been some coverage breakdowns, but also sometimes just beat off the line and and getting beat on the play. Uh, final thing, Miami will win if if they can run the ball. You know, the, I asked Coach Gaddis about this because they've just not had the, the success lately, and, and sometimes it feels like they want to run the ball a little too much and just really they want to create this identity and be physical up front, but it's just not working. So. I kind of asked him, you know, how do you balance that? And one of the, in his response, and this is telling to me, he just said he has seen this team run the ball. They ran the ball well the first three games, particularly in a tough environment at Texas A&M. So he knows they can do it. His goal is to get that out of them. So we will see, he said Henry Parrish, you know, he was back from injury. So I think Miami wants to run the ball and certainly – you know, you got a much better chance of winning a game where you don't throw, you know, have eight turnovers. But I think if, if they can run the ball, the early start is big for a team that's struggling, needs some positivity. So I would say those two things. If Miami can run it, and, and then if they can get off to that good start in the first quarter, they have a chance to win this one. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us. And wearing a Kansas City Chiefs jersey? Yeah, born and raised. So uh, happy to see the Chiefs do well. But I always got to mix it up with the hats or the shirts. But yeah, definitely uh, enjoy watching the Chiefs on Sundays. Well, there's a Virginia alum on that roster. Everyone knows Juan Thornhill in Charlottesville. So I just had to kind of point that out. <laughs> yeah, 22 is doing real well this year. He's back. So that's good to see. So yeah, he's fun to watch. And he was fun yeah. to watch at UVA for sure. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was definitely fun to watch. And he's been at Charlottesville a couple times this year already with the new staff. So, Christopher, thanks again for joining us. All right. Take care. And thanks again for Christopher for joining the show. I always love having other reporters from other teams come on the show so that they can break down some of the top storylines heading into matchup, because who better to break down the team than someone who's talking to them on a daily basis and watches them every game rather closely. So again, thanks so much for Christopher. And I, I got guys, I've already given you my prediction for this game. I gave you my prediction during the Saturday game recap. Um, again, I, I haven't changed. I am picking Virginia to beat Miami right now. Um, it, it was honestly a close call, but at the same time, I'm going with history between these two programs. And I'm also going with the fact that Virginia has a little bit more, I guess, more momentum now going into this game because they beat Georgia Tech while Virginia, while I mean, Miami lost to Duke um, at home. So, and I feel like if Virginia can just come out early and could control the game, I, I like even early on, I know they're not going to, Virginia has problems with consistency, but if they come out strong up top, I don't know if Miami has the will to come back. So I'm I'm picking I'm sticking with my pick. I think Virginia will beat Miami and make it two in a row um just before they welcome North Carolina in a week and a half. And that's it for this episode and we will continue to preview this weekend's big recruiting weekend on Wahoo's 24/7. It's been a busy day on the site. We've been confirming several visitors. We've been adding them to the visitor list. We're also confirming visitors or other weekends as well. Um, some of those are going to be in December for official visits. And also we've confirmed one wide receiver target. Jaden Gibson will be in town at some point next month. So again, you can head over to Wahoo's 24-7 for all the latest on those recruiting scoops. So for Christopher Stock, I'm Jackie Franchuli, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.